Hello and welcome to the Conscious Buddy podcast. I am Estella, creator of the Conscious Buddy community. Conscious Buddy is a worldwide community that encourages us to make a difference to the lives of ourselves and others through connecting and collaborating with like-minded individuals who want to live a more conscious life and work towards solutions that create a better world. On today's Conscious Buddy podcast, we welcome Chris Walker. Chris understands addiction and mental health because he had previously struggled with addiction himself for many years, which took him to being homeless and alone. His mental health was poor and seriously needed help. He eventually forged and created his own pathway out of addiction with the support and love of some amazing people. Chris says it has been an incredible journey and still feels emotional all these years later when he thinks back to how far he has come and how his mental health and wellness has improved. Chris trained as a professional in the addictions field becoming a recovery coach with qualifications in counselling and mental health. Chris created the Calm Online Rehab Team because he wanted to give back and help others to find their own way out from the pain of addiction or mental health problems. He believes that if you have the right people at your side, you too can recover. Chris has been walking side by side with people from all over the world for many years now, whilst they find their way out of pain and suffering. The Calm Online Rehab follows on from the success of the Calm Sober House in Thailand, which has been supporting people with addiction and mental health problems for the last two years. Hey Chris, how are you doing? Hi, Hi Stella, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, really good. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and uh, be like really one of the first sort of podcasts in the series Uh, where I am addressing um, different practices, different conscious practices, different ways of healing, different ways of uh, being on the recovery path uh, for addiction and mental health. Um, So I will start by kind of saying how I know you and how this started and how the journey started. so I know you because you lived in Melton Keynes, which is where I am still living. I haven't escaped. You've managed to escape and got to Thailand. <laughs> Five years now. Five years. Wow. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, but it started out in Melton Keynes. To be honest, I'm going to be really truthful. I don't actually know how our interaction started in Melton Keynes. I was right when you said I'm going to say how we met, and I was like, can she actually remember? <laughs> can you remember? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, good. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad you can. <laughs> Maybe you should do this then. <laughs> so I was working in the drug. I was working in the drug and alcohol centre as a recovery champion. Just got my first paid job, and my my job was to kind of make sure that the the service was recovery focused. So making sure they had kind of NA posters and CA and all that stuff in reception. And and you walked in to put up a CA poster and called, someone called me out from the back room because it was my job. And, that, and he, was with, he was with a guy, I can't remember his name. It must have been from CA. And that's the first time we ever crossed paths. And then I invited you to that recovery event that I put on to talk. And that's when we become friends. 
Yes, 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 yes. I, oh, now it is clear as day. I totally remember. Yeah, because of course, this recovery event was all different services in and around Melton Keynes that could potentially uh, network with each other yeah. um, and all provided different services um, that, that ultimately we need um, on the road to recovery uh, from mental health and addiction. And, um, and I loved that. Yes, I absolutely love that because that for me was ultimately what it's all about. It is all about networking. It is all about seeing what other services are out there that we wouldn't know about and being able to signpost people to these services that are going to help them, basically. So, so from there, I then went on to start up a yoga studio and a juice bar. Um, And I really wanted this yoga studio to be very community based. It wasn't about... uh, monopoly you know monopolizing in in yoga this was ultimately to come back to its roots um, and to provide people a safe space um, to uh, use these different ancient practices uh, that could help them on their, on their road to recovery because it played such a big part in my life and helped me to really understand um what it was that I was searching what it was that I was looking for which was ultimately connection connection to myself uh you know i felt like something was always missing in my life and yoga meditation helped to and not just yoga and meditation but also which is why i had a juice bar as well but you know the health aspect you know all of that to kind of to bring in to make me feel whole um and of course these ancient practices has been you know have been lost over years and years and years and we've tried to imitate them if you like in the west um, we've tried to shape and shift them, but ultimately, you know, to get to the real magic of these practices, you know, they all co- go back to the core, which is the ancient practice of it. Um, <clears throat> now, I then started to run yoga and meditation for addiction, uh, six week courses. Um, and then you had started to um, uh, work on a community project called Concrete Cows Recovery, if that's right. Yeah. And um, and can you just explain what your idea around Concrete Cows Recovery what, what was for? What was your kind of motivation around that? It's a bit, a bit strange actually thinking about it now because I'm kind of doing a similar thing, but it was really for people that were being discharged from community treatment. So people, like when you, when, you, when you access like community services, um, they like the minute you're kind of clean they tend to discharge you because um they kind of done their job but there was nothing for people after that and you know that's you know getting getting clean's the easy bit right and for me mm. after that you know talking about connection and community is exactly what everyone needs so i just saw this like very early on in recovery work when i became a counselor i saw that this is actually where it is and this is what this is um this is the important bit. So we, I started Concrete Cows Recovery. It's a bit difficult because I was still employed by the drug and alcohol services. There's a bit of conflict of interest, but um, we got funded by the police and we, we, uh, we, just, we just used to do stuff together at the weekends. It was just, you know, because when you, when you get into early recovery, you, you know, the people that you've been using with and stuff, they, you don't hang around with them anymore. So you just end up in a real lonely place. And then people are questioning why they got clean, you know, and it is a real horrible bit of recovery that them early days before you start building that community connection. So it's what Concrete Cows was about, really. It was just a load of friends that I got together in early recovery and we just 
done loads of stuff together and then you know they used to come up to your yoga studio as well um which we used to fund thanks to the police for their mm. funding um but yeah that was it just community and connection and for people after treatment you know i just saw that their treatment services were closing the doors on these people and that's like a huge you know that's that's relapse waiting to happen you know yeah um yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, through running the courses um, at the studio really kind of showed how, you know, community started to form and how they were there really supporting each other. And I had somebody starting to do some voluntary work on the juice bar. Um, you then had start, started up an allotment as well. So even some of the produce was coming into the juice bar and they were getting to use that and seeing how that works. Um, and then I kind of created a little bit of a social on a Friday evening and got some people in to do different things. And then they started to uh, be be introduced to sound healing, which is was a, a completely new concept for them. And I do think that they they wouldn't have had this opportunity. They would never have had these opportunities, you know, because I think what happened, you know, what's happened in in the culture of yoga and, and meditation it's become a kind of a uh, um it's it costs a lot of money you know mm. um and it almost feels like it's kind of out of people's reach um so when we were sort of i mean obviously there needed to be some exchange that's how the world works we can't survive um without uh the, without money flow you know it comes from yeah. somewhere but ultimately um you know, they, they were not able to, I think because, you know, the drug and alcohol centers and some, and some rehabilitation centers are, if you like, quite set, you know, in, in what they offer. Um, and so I, I suppose holistically at this point, it was still a little bit out of reach. There was still some struggling around funding for these sorts of things. Um, yeah. So somehow we kind of did that and, and this was going and flowing for, for a while um i started to, to to then see where i suppose things were not working let's say um of course then we needed continuous funding that that was then starting to uh, present itself as a little bit of an issue um and there were still things that were difficult i think especially in melton kings it's such a spread out town it's a new town it's difficult for people to get about i think it was just quite difficult to set up community um and and so at, at this point i started to sort of think about where i was going and how i wanted to move things forward and what this looked like um, ha and how I was going to achieve that. And I think that you were doing the same and you kind of just went, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, you kind of just went, okay, I, I feel like I need to be um, shown other opportunities and other ways. And you started to see what wasn't working for you at the drug and alcohol center. And you then went on to, uh, to move to Thailand. Do you want to tell us about that? How that kind of happened for you? Yeah, well, I um, I was, I, I ended up being, um, I ended up, uh, I ended up kind of managing the volunteers, if you like, peer mentors at the drug service, the people that were, um, that had finished treatment and wanted to come back and do a little bit of work for the service. And I met this guy and he'd been to rehab in Thailand and he, we took him on as a volunteer and he started talking about rehabs in Thailand. I didn't even know they had rehabs in Thailand. Um, and at the time I was really 
kind of burnt out. I think I had about 70 people on my caseload. I was working with scripted heroin addicts and I was just running around doing, um, I was just running around writing scripts, basically. It was no therapy and no treatment and it was just all paperwork and I was getting really burnt out. And it was really bizarre because I came over to Thailand to meet this guy at the rehab and one of the first things he said to me when I got there and I was chatting to him, he said, I don't want you sitting in the office writing paperwork. I want you out there with the clients. And it was like, it was like, I was looking behind me thinking, does he know what I've been thinking? Because he was, <laughs> he was saying all the stuff that he's like, you know, the, the more you spend with the clients, the better. So I was like, boom, took the job um, and moved out to Thailand. That was my first experience working in primary rehab treatment um, compared to community. But then it was all like, it was, it was all therapy. It was all groups and one-on-ones and it was just complete opposite. And I thought, wow, this is where it's at. Um, but then I yet again slowly realised that actually this is the easy part of treatment. So going back to concrete cows recovery, you know, people in primary treatment in the community service and then people in primary treatment in rehab and they were going home and relapsing, you know, like huge, huge relapse rates, you know, 80 to 90% of people. So I was like, how can I kind of, how can I do the same thing I was doing in Milton Keynes, but in Thailand? So I ended up, I ended up starting a sober house for people after rehab. Um, which is all about community like they don't you know they don't we don't sit in a classroom at the slow house learning about recovery they go out into the Chiang Mai community it's a massive massive recovery community um yeah and we just help them get back to the real world and build community before they go home and connection and um so it's just weird doing the same thing as concrete cows really but Sober living, sober living for me is where it's at because that's the difficult bit when people come out of here. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? And that was something that I really, really wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on how we basically become resilient in the world, how we are able to be anywhere in the world because ultimately we live in our bodies. We live in this home, right? Um and for me, it was about really coming to a state in your mind, your body and your spirit where you could be and do and achieve anything that you wanted to achieve, to achieve and have absolute complete trust in that. You know, so there wasn't this kind of feeling of what am I going to do now? Then this and then the fear would return. And then, of yeah. course, you wouldn't be able to break those those habits that you had ultimately built for so many years and friendship groups and you know that it would be well where where now what do i do where do i go how do i continue this you know um for some people they might go back into damaging uh, relationships um you know toxic friendships and of course then like you say you know before long they're they're back into that that place and they're relapsing Mm. so for you, obviously, it was really important to create that community. For me, it's really important to create community. Um, I think as I've gone along my path, I'm realizing that addiction and mental health certainly isn't black and white. Um, you know, it, there are many, many forms of addiction. As you know, you can come away from one and then jump into another and another, and it's just, you know, continuous patterns. Well, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's what I like after that, because I actually thought that you know, I'll start a sober house, help people with this part of their recovery journey. That's where I want to be. I actually was a little bit naive in the sense that I thought it would be easier than working in a primary treatment centre. But like, boy, did I get a shock because what I was seeing, it was that um, people were coming out of rehab six, seven weeks 
two-month program. And they're like the trauma, eating disorders, like cross addictions, processes through the roof. Mm. So no wonder people are like, people are only scratching the surface in rehab. Mm. You know, and, and we've got real evidence that the sober house works because I can't get rid of people when they come. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want to get rid of them, but bless them, like they don't leave because they get there and then they think, shit, excuse my language. They're like, I've got so much more work to do. But they're in that mm. community why they're doing it and they absolutely love it because the alternative is to maybe go home and be alone. Mm. And we, I, we've got a lady there now. She's been here a year. She's mm. been here for one year. She just does. I said to her the other day, I said, you're going to be here when we lock the gates up in 20 years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> one more month, one more month. But it's the community. It's all about being around people and the community. They just, yeah. people don't want to leave. So yeah. it's clear evidence. You know, we always, people like me and you talk about community and connection, but I can give you clear evidence, you know, from running a sober house for two years that that's like, everybody who comes there just absolutely loves it. Absolutely. And that that is that seems to be a common theme, actually, in the, you know, the podcast that I've been doing for this series and, and how community comes up within that and how important that is and how we, you know, how we share with each other openly, honestly, you know, with no shame, no guilt. Um, <clears throat> you know, no judgment ultimately as well. And and I know, you know, not not too long ago, actually, about a year or so ago, I remember coming across this homeless guy on the street and I was just having a chat with him. You know, he wanted some cigarettes and what have you. And I, I bought them for him. It's fine. You know, um, I had a chat with him and I said, what, what, how do you feel? What do you think the solution is? To, to come out of where you're at right now? What, what do you think the solution is? And he said, well, he just started crying straight away. And actually his way out was to kill himself. Mm -hmm. um, that was the only way out he could see. And I saw, I said, let me give you a scenario. What if there was a space that you could come to and it was a safe space and it allowed you to open up and be yourself and there were art projects there and you could grow your own food and you were part of a community where you felt welcomed and loved. He said, that would be amazing. He said, that would be absolutely, he said, I'd love that. He said, there's nothing like that. You know, and that for me was really the ultimate thing is actually, you know, yes, of course, there's going to be an element of rules because there needs to be, there needs to be boundaries. We need to have protection more for themselves than anything. And, and obviously for the other people that are in that community. But, um, <clears throat> but ultimately, they need somewhere safe to go. They need a safe space. They need somewhere where they can be themselves and trust, learn to trust themselves. Um, <clears throat> And I think that is what we definitely struggle with, you know, in, in the world. And I think what's coming up with all of this that's happened with the COVID situation and, you know, how we're all kind of shut, if you like, behind closed doors, you know, are our, if you like, chaotic way of getting uh, connection and community was the world that we lived in. Um, but I do think that we do need a little bit of a shake up and we do need to think about how we're going forward and how we're going to provide um, communities, because that's ultimately really that's the dilemma, isn't it? You know, the yeah. dilemma is people leave their community or they leave where they're at um, 
and then they jump straight back in because they're not going back into a community. So it's important that these pockets of community now around the world start collaborating and networking. So when they do go off, you know, they know where they can go. They can be like a library of sort of different places and they can say, well, I can go there and I can join this community, mm. you know, and, and, um, or even start up their own, you know. So there, there is there, there is recognizing that there is possibilities and there is opportunities out there, and that there are other people doing the same. So we need to come together. What I really want to ask you is um, is your journey, really, you know, with with this um, and your experience and your um, success through your recovery um you know and continuous battle as well you know let's let's kind of be honest about that not battle necessarily from the 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 drug of choice you know but but the battle in regards to living you know living and being in recovery being in the world um and how this changes all the time as well and how we build up a resilience to that change mm, interesting <laughs> resilience is my favorite word <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, that's how I, you know that's how I got to be where I am basically it was just resilient I just not going to give up never give up you know using the kind of um using the, the strength and weakness that I have the character that a lot of addicts carry that actually you know I can achieve anything in the world um because of that drive and that fire and um that part of my characteristic but also be my downfall because I can I can be very destructive with it you know so over the years it's really learning how to that's why, we, that's why we're called the calm is basically to like just calm down a bit manage my own characteristics now it's not about managing drugs anymore it's about managing the kind of self-sabotage and the destruction all the time you know it's, that's that's really what it's about um but yeah i was I, um very successful when i was 27 i thought that my life was sorted computer engineers djing had a house car girlfriend everything i thought my life was on track and then complete turnaround became a heroin addict uh used for the whole of my 30s every single day for 11 years ended up on the streets ended up going to prison and then prison was when i had my turnaround and trained to be a drugs counselor drug and alcohol counselor um and then um yeah just went on this journey of recovery and um yeah worked in community treatment worked in worked on a festival scene just just basically giving back and service and helping it just felt right um didn't want to leave the people behind that I'd been homeless with. So I was still working with addicts that I was using with. And yeah, and it's just been amazing, really. Just, uh, it's, you know, just having faith that it's going to be all right and just putting my foot in the right direction and everything's worked out. But where I am now is just like incredible because I can, I can drive, I can drive um, my, my sober house and my business exactly where I want it to go. So I can, you know, I can, there's no one, telling me what to do so I can I, you know I bring in all these weird and wonderful holistic treatments and I believe in community and ownership and empowerment and I you know I run the sober house based on values and stuff and it's incredible to be able to get to that point you know um but as far as myself I'm very 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 content very very content you know years and years of meditation and buddhism and spiritual learning and stuff and it's just brought me to a place where you know it's just i've got everything i want it's in my heart you know everything i want in my heart there's nothing you know um i don't need anything externally anymore 
you know, I don't own a car, I don't own a house, I don't own anything, I've just got a little motorbike. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I don't know, it's just um, been an incredible journey, really. Um, and the drugs and alcohol just don't really mean anything anymore, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's almost like they're just, they're not an option anymore, are they? You know, it's like, and that's the thing when you start to rebuild your life and and <clears throat> make these deep, deep changes, going to drugs and alcohol doesn't become an option. So would you say that going to prison really was the intervention for you in regards to coming off of drugs? Saved my life. Yeah saved my life and the only reason it saved my life is because i got a big sentence if i'd have ended up getting a short sentence i would have been in that revolving door around i would have gone to prison for a few weeks been kicked out back on the streets back to prison but thank god i got like a i got a four-year prison sentence and i ended up doing two years in prison so it gave me that initially gave me that time to get clean and kind of get the heroin hooks as they call it out of my brain but also just gave me like two years is a long time to be on your own in a prison cell you know mm. Um, my whole life just flashed before me and then I just went back into doing yoga and meditation in my prison cell, took all the furniture out and I just learned to play blues guitar and um, really used my time wisely. But yeah, it saved my life, there's no doubt about it. But you have to be like, you also have to be, um, you also have to be, uh, prison on, it, on its own is not going to save you. You have to be motivated. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you, really. What what was it? What what was that that turning point in your own mind? If you can take yourself back to that, um, that gave you that determination and motivation and that drive to really go forward in changing your life around and seeing this as an opportunity. Because not everyone does. So what was it? What was that thing within you that made you go? I, I'm done. I've had enough. I want to change. Well, initially was when I, um, you know, we talk about community and stuff initially and connection. Like when you're living on the streets and you're homeless and then you, unless you kind of been homeless, you don't really know what it feels like. It's like, you don't, you don't know what it feels like to be a parent until you're a parent. But what happens on the streets is you just lose all connection and community. You lose everything. Like you see people walking past you and you just feel like you're just not part of anything. You're not part of anything at all. So initially when I went to prison, it was like the, it was like, oh my God, you know, that, that was, you know, we talk about being broken spiritually. That's what really broke me spiritually on the streets. Um, but then when I got to prison, I just, I was, I was like, I've got to stop doing this to myself. That, that was, that was the words I uttered to myself the first morning in prison. I was like, I have to find out why I am um, self-harming myself. I just saw it as self-harm. It's like, I'm sticking bloody needles in my feet. I'm living on the streets. I'm like, I've done this to myself. I have destroyed myself, you know? Yeah. And I had to like think, Jesus Christ. And I went through this whole period of like, my realizing my mental health wasn't that great as I was growing up. And maybe I wasn't as stable as I thought I was. And just, so it was really the, it was the being spiritually broken with no connection, not being part of anything. Even my dad didn't want me, you know what I mean? He even told me to F off when I knocked on the door, which broke my heart. But then also like the self-harm, it's like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, what, you know, there's no one else doing this apart from me. <clears throat> yeah. So it was like a real awakening around self-harm. And mm. 
the whole journey really has been like trying to be bloody kind to myself, you know, in a way, you know, because I've got this real, I've got a real like, um, what do they say, like a real death wish in a way. Not a death wish, because I've never wanted to die, but I've never ever suicide thoughts ever, but like just a, a bit of a craziness about me, like just a little bit unstable, to be honest with you. No, I really mean that, you know. So the journey for me really is just being able to learn to manage my emotions and my mental health and just get to a place where it's all right, you know, it's just, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that, you know. It's just like struggle with it all the time. That's been my thing, I think, you know, just wanting a hedonism, take everything to the next level. It's like calm down, just be okay with. And that's why the meditation side of things helps me because it just daily practice you can just sit there for 15 20 minutes in the morning like you know you what you can see it you can see that you know that um it's all attachment and desire and once i get through all that then the rest of the day is okay <laughs> i think you know honestly i think that is the biggest thing in recovery and coming away from addiction is is this this feeling of i need to be doing more um what i'm doing isn't quite enough <laughs> I need to see more results. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that's what I'm saying. It's brought me to where I am. I've built my own business. I moved to Thailand. It's on a massive strength. But boy, you know, there's that the other side's going to be sabotaging, sabotaging. <laughs> Throw it all away. It's just like geez. Yeah. There's a fine line, isn't there? There is a fine line. And I think you know, there is for me as well in my own recovery journey, there's this lack of consistency. And actually, I think what comes down to the lack of consistency right at the core is <clears throat> I'm not quite good enough for this. And so because I'm not quite good enough for this, I need to change it and bring it to something else. And then I can be good enough for that. And so I kind of didn't kind of just go on this sort of little little journey. But actually, in high insight, all of that actually does come together. And it's being able to kind of go, OK, I'm going to forgive myself for that. Um, I'm not going to beat myself up and say that I've not achieved anything just because I, I have done that. I can see this as part of my pattern. Um, and that's OK. You know, that is OK. And it's being forgiven of, of who we are as humans and recognising that actually, if we can look at ourselves in the way that other people look at us, because I, I would imagine that in in being in a sober, you know, the sober house uh, and the calm that you have people say to you, thank you so much. You've given me this. You've helped me with this. You've allowed me this. Or, you know, if it wasn't for you, I'd be dead or whatever, you know. And yeah. And so, you know, you're then able to go, OK, wow, you're on reflection. You can see, obviously, what you're doing is helping people. But ultimately, it's being able to really say that to ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I used to like in group, I remember in group therapy in the rehab in primary, people, self-sabotage used to come up all the time. And people used to ask me, you know, why do I self-sabotage? And I really seriously thought about this. And personally, I'm not sure it comes from the core beliefs that I'm not good enough. I think it comes from that we just cannot work with being okay. Mm. It just doesn't work for us. We cannot sit in that place of being, everything's okay. It's <laughs> <need some> drama. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of thing. It's like yeah, we, we it, just can't rest in that space. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, which is basically addiction, right? <laughs> it's basically. Yeah. 
it's hard to not put and you know this is the thing i skirt around this word quite a lot and i kind of go well there's a reason for that i'm always looking for a reason i'm always looking you know for what is it within me you know that 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 can't be okay that struggles yeah. with just being okay that struggles just with just right. being like, content you know and right. i'm not sure i have the answer to that <laughs> to right. be honest no, and it doesn't, and you know, this is another thing I've realised, is don't waste any time on why, just worry on how you manage it, you know, don't, don't worry it. about where it comes from, because, <laughs> you know, you'd be a very rich lady if you found that out, but it's yeah. really about, you know, you know, you can look at addiction for genetics and, you know, all that stuff, but really, no one's got the answer, and it doesn't really matter, it's about how we, how we, how we manage recovery and manage them feelings and emotions, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gabba Mate talks about it coming from trauma, right? So basically, 100%. yeah, 100%. you know, add addiction comes from trauma. Um, there's usually a trauma beneath all of this somewhere along the line that that, that, that ignited this within us, that ignited the self-sabotage, that ignited yeah. the survival skill, you know, within us. Uh, that ultimately ignited that the fight and flight system of survival, um, which then kind of, I suppose, spiraled and took us onto this journey of I, I need more, I need to do more, because it, it becomes a survival mechanism. Yeah, yeah. So then the, the I'm not good enough comes into that play then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's no doubt about it. And I've got evidence. I can, I can, I can list every single client I work with. I don't think there's... I don't think there's one female that I've never worked with that has never been abused as a kid. And mm. I would say 70, 60, 70 percent of boys as well. Mm. You know, it, mm. it, there's no doubt it's trauma. It's no doubt. Yeah. And abuse comes up in, in all forms. And I know through doing my own work, I've been working with a very, very good even, uh, you know, trauma therapist for the last year. Um, you know, my recovery is a continuous journey. Um, there's always more layers, there's always more, you know, there's always something to look at as and when I feel ready to look at it. And, um, you know, I'm recognising that abuse comes in many different forms. And I really had to understand this, I think, for my own recovery, because I was like, oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't abused, you know, I kept kind of saying I wasn't abused. And of course, you shut away, I think, as, as children, you shut away what abuse actually really is. And, and of course, you, you, you block it off, you know, you completely block it off, um, of course, and you don't remember any of it, you know, and you learn to cover it up and you learn to, um, you know, minimise basically what abuse is because you then start to compare it to what other people may go through or have gone through. Um, and I think that that's, you know, a huge part of, you know, recovery is actually recognizing where, where did it start? You know, what, what caused me to even start this roller coaster of craziness in my life? Mm. Um, because, and I think once, I mean, and you know, there is some sort of talk around sort of not reigniting the trauma, but ultimately this is why it's also important to have a safe space in order for us to explore these areas with people that really know what, what they're doing. Yeah, that's what happened to the Sober House initially. I was not, you know, when I was saying earlier that I thought the Sober House would be quite, you know, easy to manage, but then it was like, oh my God, it's like everybody who's coming here, there's major trauma coming up, what am I gonna do? And like, even very early on in the team meetings, I was like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna manage this in a Sober House? Like, so, you know, we, we started connecting with trauma therapists in Chiang Mai and, I'm still working on it because that is really where the, 
sober living is going to be at in the future and the calm. It's got to be trauma therapy, but it's also got to be like, are these people ready? Are they in the right place? Have they got enough recovery? So it's like, but, you know, it, it was like it was all coming up in group and counselling and I'm trying to push it all down. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, this is just... And that's when it really hit me. Like I wrote a blog on it. I was like, it just shocked me. I remember telling the other counsellors, I was like, can you see what's happening here? Um, and this is what I'm saying about, you know, people just going for a short stint in rehab and going home after six weeks. It don't work. It does not work. This, you know, recovery is a massive, long process. Um, and, and, you know, and having people in a safe, safe space in a community, especially for their first six months of recovery and grounding themselves a bit is really important, you know, really important. Not that we're, we're you know, not that we're going to fix addiction, but I think what we're doing certainly playing a big part in people's recovery journey and I think we've got our finger on the pulse it's just how can we do more and you know what can we um what can we improve all the time but yeah it's just through the roof it's like every single person that come to the same house was girls always in girls girls tend to come out in eating disorders and boys come out in anger that's how they deal with trauma boys just like leave me alone you're never going to touch me ever again girls internalize it yeah. Boys externalize it, you know, they're like, wow, go away, don't. And the girl's like, it all goes inside, you know. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I think, like what you were sort of saying, um, <sighs> you know, we're just discussing, and, and this is why I, I feel, this is why it is so important for these little pockets of community to be able to come together and sort of say, okay, you know, how can we, you know, how can we move forward in, in this part? Because it is, like I said, you know, before, it's, it's just not black and white. You know, there's such complexity in, in, the, in the recovery journey. You know, we're all kind of coming up with, oh, we need to do this or we need to do that. And that's why I've done this series of podcasts, because it's like there are so many different avenues. There's so many different approaches to take. There's not a right or wrong one, but ultimately, you know, it's all learning, you know, within within this process. And some somehow we're we're gonna start getting it, you know, a, a little bit more right as we as we go along. Um but also I do, yeah, I do feel that it is important that we we come together, you know, and you know, we're all on the same thought process of we want the best for these people. That's it. You know, we want the best for them and we want them to achieve recovery. Um, that's right for them and that's going to give them what they need and so if we are you know if you like networking with other people and understanding what other people are doing in their communities we can say well actually I know what it is that you might really like or I know what it is that you might really need um, and seeing that actually you know we don't have all the answers we don't have all the solutions that one place isn't going to provide one person with everything that they need and be able to tick all those boxes. And I think sometimes this is where the confusion can come up and it does for me in my work. You know, when I when I run events and I run um, or, or I'm doing one-to-ones with people, whatever, you know, it's like, have, you know, have I got something that I can provide them that that's going to benefit them, that, that they're going to really need? Mm. And, you know, and if the answer is, is ultimately no then i need to be honest about that because 
I'm not going to be able to help them. Um, and I wanted to be the jack of all trades. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be able to offer everything. That, and I realized what a big task that was and how impossible that was. And that's why, you know, when I came up with Yoga Buddy at the time, um, it yoga for me was all about the ancient practices and mind, body and spirit and coming together and bringing them in unison as one. Um, as uh, you know, as as the journey went on, it was there was so <laughs> like with everything in this world, there are so many different concepts of yoga, there are so many different ways of practicing it um, that and also it becoming a, monopo a monopolized industry, you know, I thought, oh, you know, people didn't know what I was doing. So I had to change that I had to change that then to conscious buddy. And it is just about conscious practices and different types of conscious practices. Mm -hmm. And there being resources for different conscious practices, it's just consciousness being aware, you know, just consciously aware of what we're doing, and and the path that we're, we're taking it. And, and if we can do that, then we can make conscious choices on what is actually going to be right for us um, in this path of, of in this journey of self-discovery, because ultimately that's what it is, isn't it? You know, it's a journey of self-discovery and there is no definitive answer to that. There's no conclusion, there's no end point. Um, it's just a continuous journey and all these things can help us in our journey. You know, all these different things can help us in this, in this journey. Mm -hmm. However, I, I will, I do want to ask what you, if you, if you had to sum it up <laughs> as a recovery coach, what would you say is key to recovery? What would you say is the, is the success to recovery? Owning it. Mm. Owning it, 100% responsibility and owning it and feeling empowered. I don't, you know, I think that, you know, the calm's built on this, it's built on ownership and empowerment and I've seen it work and the recovery movement in the UK is building momentum all the time. And I came into treatment when it was really just moving out of that old medical model into recovery focused way. And like I was saying about the, the drug service, you know, is you, you, you can never ever tell a client or a person how to recover. You have to let them own it. And all you do is, especially as a recovery coach, you stand side by side for them as they try it. And really, as a good recovery coach, you should have knowledge of all the different ways to recover. And you just go, you know, you just, we just call it standing shoulder to shoulder with that person. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a sober house, we're completely independent. People ring me and say, are you a 12 step sober house? I'll say, no, nope, but we can be if you want me to be, <laughs> yeah. whatever you want us to be. You know, so basically we offer refuge, recovery, smart, AA, NA. We offer everything, yoga, meditation. We do a massive volunteering project and build, people just people just build and pick their own little bit. And, you know, I'm always conscious about how I empower people. We never, ever tell people, you know, most we have to say, you've got to go to seven meetings a week. You've got to do this. No, you haven't got to do anything like mm. that. Don't listen to, when someone says you've got to do this, that's a really bad trained counsellor or a really bad track, it damages people. You know, Absolutely. Well, ultimately, really you're, you're, you're owning their recovery. <laughs> yeah, and then you're going yeah. to be left uh, yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're no, not no. empowering people exactly. because you're, take, you're telling them what they need to choose to do. Yeah. 
And of course, what that's then doing is making them reliant on you. So now we have a codependency or a dependency yeah. around this. And of course, that's when people get lost. That's when when you come out of recovery, you've been told what to do in rehab or in treatment centers for four weeks, eight weeks, three months, whatever it is, you've been told what to do. And so the second you come out of there, you're like, well, what do I do? They're, they're literally left with that question. What, what do I do? I've been told what to do. You've literally been guiding me on how to live my life for the last eight weeks. So now what? Also, also the other big problem is that people start paying you lip service when you tell them what to do. It happens in rehab all the time. Yes. Clients are just walking around telling the counsellors what they think they should hear. <laughs> yes. So basically, yes. you've just waste, yes. you know, you've just wasted all that therapy and all that time with that client because the minute you tell a client what to do, they're just going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they leave, they're going to stick their finger up at you. So you've already ruined the relationship from the beginning. You've wasted all that time and money. So, you know, it, you have to let people take full responsibility for their recovery. And that's what we we, yeah. we we teach that at the Sober House. We show people how to take responsibility. Um, but then we we guide them and show them also to take uh, ownership and empower, empower them as well. And, and that, you know, every... <laughs> every single person who comes there is like wow they're like they think it's like this amazing thing i'm like it's not amazing it's the way treatment should work it's just because all the others or the other people are doing it that way but i was very fortunate you know in the uk to be trained by um some amazing people part of the recovery movement you know and they taught me this stuff early on and when i when i trained to be a recovery coach it just blew my mind it was so different to counseling mm. um it's all about that and when you see it work <clears throat> When you sit work with someone, it's it's absolutely mind blowing, you know, because people come into treatment expecting you to tell them what to do. They come in thinking, right, you're the counsellor, you tell me what to do. Right, right, right. But the minute in that first session you lay down, you know, you 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 give them some kind of ownership of the recovery. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing. And then you've built a relationship. And then, you know, if you want to help people, you know, get it off on the right foot. Don't don't ever tell anyone what to do ever. It's really bad. It's really damaging. And any counsellor who does that in a rehab should be sacked. And they shouldn't be working in treatment. They, they don't understand what it means to work with people. No. And that's what makes it so difficult for the, you know, people like yourself and even like myself to to if you like work in those sorts of places because we we see it, you know, you, you can fundamentally see what's what's going on and 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 also, you know, there is this this yeah. You know, in drug and alcohol centres, they they rely on funding, and a lot of the time, people get funded, <clears throat> and of course, they need to show what they're doing in order to, um, you know, prove why they uh, warrant this funding, um, and then they have to show for each client, you know, what it is they're actually doing. I think the problem that I and, and what I have seen work it also work in nearly two years and I was just doing yoga and meditation I was doing uh, nutrition talks and workshops etc and it was all about empowerment and of course there was a contradiction and um, and they were coming to me with this con they were they, they were saying to me you know like I feel like I'm getting more from these sessions you know than what I am when I'm in there yeah, and you know you're talking to us about nutrition but we're getting fed rubbish when we're, when we're inside yeah. well look at any kind of any proper trauma therapy is about empowering you because you've had your power taken away from you if you've been abused as a child someone's taken the power away from you so 
you know, any real, real good trauma therapist should understand that and it should be empowering you, giving the power back. That's what makes you feel good again, you know? So it even goes into trauma therapy like that, you know? Yeah, That's it really does. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. But yeah, responsibility is a massive one because, you know, this, you go into some kind of treatment programs and people are tell you're an addict because you're selfish. That's complete bullshit. Mm. You're, not, you're not an addict because you're selfish, right? And, you know, people are tell you about this and that and you need to do this and that. That's bullshit. It's, um, we're not addicts because we're selfish. We're addicts because we're in pain. Yes. Uh, but when you're working on this, let's say that the addiction side of things, you can't blame anything. You're the addict you're doing this you're the one drinking and taking drugs there is no one to blame you take ownership of your pain you know and find a proper therapist and work with it you take ownership of it there is no blaming anyone for your addiction no you just well, that... can't unfortunately because it, it'll just keep you stuck in addiction that's why you know there's yeah. reasons why you're an addict and trauma and pain yeah and your parents might have done your damage i get all that but you can't sit there blaming them because that will always give you the excuse to drink and take drugs so there has to be the 100 percent responsibility for your recovery and the ownership and empowerment and that's the three things that i think i think a lot of addicts don't understand responsibility i hear it all the time in treatment you know blaming this blaming that wandering off talking about all kinds of weird and wonderful things where they drink i'm like no 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 you're drinking because you are an alcoholic i don't yeah. i don't shame them there's no shame or anything like that but i always have to bring people back look you're the addict you need to take responsibility for this yeah exactly and that's the thing isn't it it's it, like you say you you can be totally stuck in this loop or you can be totally stuck through your addiction by not taking responsibility by going into continuous blame and and of course you know the reason why that happens is because they've never had the opportunity to deal with the pain they've never had the opportunity to obviously work through those emotions exactly. yeah. um to be able to kind of go okay yeah fine this did cause me pain yeah. however i need to be the one that you know works through this pain i need to find the solutions for this um exactly. With help, yeah, with support, with, you that's know. That's right. You do it in the right nurturing environment without shaming people and calling them selfish and blaming them. You know, you, you give them that opportunity to be able to take responsibility for it by creating a safe space that's, you know, that, that's not full of people running around telling people what to do and calling them selfish. You just give them that safe space, community, make them feel wanted, part of something, and then they start opening up and owning it and taking responsibility. It's a very, you know, very 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 skilled in being able to do things like that especially in groups and stuff you have mm. to be really really skilled you know um yeah you know do you know what i mean you have yeah to be absolutely it, it is a skill you know it is uh, because you're doing it in such a way that it's not even noticeable you know you're just yeah, exactly. You know, and then people are all of a sudden feeling empowered, feeling like they are taking ownership and responsibility without this obvious, you need to do this, you need to do that. You know, yeah. you've yeah. just somehow got them to bring it back to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a you skill. Need some good, you need training, basically. You need to be yeah. trained by someone who understands that way of working with people, you know, yeah. rather than the other way. Because the yeah. old medical, medical model was, you know, yeah, the professional takes charge. I'm going to tell you what to do. This is how you're going to recover. It doesn't work like that. Because people just stick the finger up to you. That's it, exactly. Right. So, um, obviously, you're working in person with people and you're working in, in Thailand. But 
um, with everything that's going on at the moment, how have you sort of managed that? How have you um, got recover? You know, got the got your services to people. It's just you know you're talking about my own recovery journey. You know, this is you know, be completely honest, it's a difficult time for me. You know, and I've struggled. I you know I've done all right for the first few months, but looking at the future and you know this is a time really where um I'm, I'm really having to look after myself my own mental health and you know all my training around anxiety and attachments and thank god I've done it all you know because I'm managing it quite well but there is like a point where I'm like this is like this is serious you know this is like people are struggling at the moment so looking after myself but as far as services we've moved it all online but I don't know how, how um it's very difficult to reach people because um people might be searching for stuff online but um it's not it's not the done thing really you know mm. addiction counseling online and stuff like that so we're trying it and try and i'm working with clients where it is working definitely working in the sense that taking it back to you can go to rehab get clean but when you go home is the real bit so trying to get people to build recovery in their own community straight away Mm. rather than coming thousands of miles away spending thousands of pounds and wasting it just just trying to get them you know out and getting out to try things you know why don't you try this what do you like well you know why do you not try an Amy? and if you don't like it try refuge try you know it's all so that's quite interesting it's like a new um a new way of working with people it's like covid's forced us to do this but but actually it comes back to community again right it's like mm. trying to get people to build the recovery in their community straight mm. away because most addicts I'm working with online are isolated. Mm. So, but um, I don't know what the future holds. I have no idea. We are, you know, we're still helping, supporting people in Thailand. There's a lot of people living in Thailand and they're struggling. Um, mm. And they're coming to us for community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're coming for us to be around people. Because that's know? what we need. We need connection. You we've know? got three people living there. They're just living with us. Can I yeah. live here? I was like, yeah, if you want. In, <laughs> you know, they're in recovery, but they just... It's such an important time to be around people. Yeah. You know, especially it, for like expats in Thailand who are isolated, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's funny because even I have, I've been wanting to come over to Thailand for like ages now. I've been wanting to come and see you guys and, you know, seeing even if there's anything I can offer, but I've, I've not been able to, you know, that hasn't been possible. Um, and so I'm doing the same. I'm looking at, well, what can I do here? You know, how can I reach people? Um, and actually, you know, I'm, I'm like, no, this is, this is good because now I'm actually networking with people from, from all over the world, you know, and I, I genuinely, don't think I would have been doing that had it not been for this. So, you know, it it's like, it's a bit of a, you know, I'm still not sure what language to put to it, but at the end of the day, it's something that is working and it's reaching people. And I feel like it's kind of the groundworks, if you like, for uh, creating new ways of doing things. Um, and I don't just mean new ways of doing things as in online and what we're doing with technology, but I mean the fact that we're having these discussions um, in, and you know, this is allowing us to process what we're doing with our work, how it's going forward, how we're going to serve people, what community is going to look like. Ultimately, we are putting this out, aren't we? You know, into the universe, we are structuring what's to come. We're structuring our future. 
by having these conversations and um not having it all figured out we're not you know it's not saying like i got it figured out i don't know we don't know what's going to happen we don't know you know what directions everything's going to turn to but by having these conversations it's giving it some sort of substance and power you know into how we're shaping the future and ultimately this is how change happens this is you know this is how we start new things (laughs) so it's exciting and scary it is (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and all that we can do is you know the concept of recovery the concept of what you were talking about you know in what you kind of hit in prison really ultimately was surrendering surrendering to the process surrendering to this needs to change what is it that i can do in order for that to happen and it's it's on a different you know different scale but you are ultimately redoing that again you are you're reusing those skills that you used to actually take you off of drugs in the first place you know so um yeah we just have to keep doing that you know and but just doing it in a different way and being completely open and accepting to that and just surrender you know that for me keeps coming up surrender patience (laughs) you know and being okay (laughs) yes of course exactly and of course being okay with not knowing you know exactly yeah yeah all all the spiritual training is coming into play yeah actually using it properly now you know (laughs) (laughs) really using it all the stuff we teach <laughs> yes exactly yeah it's serious you know it is it's like all the stuff i've ever learned all the stuff i've ever taught people the other stuff i've ever shared with people it's like boy i'm having to use it now myself, mm. you know, big time yes big time. same and my team and the people we've got and you know because i still got responsibilities and stuff and but yeah it's um that's all i can say it's like the complete opposite emotions of an exciting and scary all in one and it's like Ugh. but this is why I'm absolutely loving speaking with people that are out there doing it. So all my podcasts are with with the people that are out there offering yoga, meditation, uh, recovery coaching, uh, plant medicines, you know, communities, sober communities, um, trauma therapy, you know, um, and even like ancestral healing, things like that. You know, we're out there, we're, we're offering these things, whether it's through books, you know, people have written books, uh, whether it's through online um, uh, offerings, uh, whether it's setting up things for the future, you know, and I, that's what I'm really loving right now. So actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually spending a little bit less time giving people one-to-one individual sessions, even though I'm, I'm still doing that and I am doing that online as well. But um, I'm also, you know, connecting with people that are, you know, being out there offering all this stuff into the world. It's been working really, really well. And now we're all, we're all left on our own. We're all left with, okay, well, what's, what's going to happen next, you know? Um, and none of us really know. That seems to be a theme, you know. None of us really know, but that, but that's okay. So, you know, it has been really good to be able to chat to people um, that are in this and offering stuff to other people, but ultimately now having to really use the stuff that they're offering back into themselves. <laughs> Absolutely, I love busting myself and owning up stuff like that. It's so true, you know. It's yeah. just like, well, you got to walk the talk now, you know. It's like, but it's, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one sure thing, isn't there, at the moment? There's only one definite thing, and that's 
change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only definite thing. And we have change. no control over that. And that is such a, that, that, that brings such freedom actually in that. The ultimate ultimate freedom is to really just go with the change. Go with the change, yeah. Um, what whatever that may be, we're not in control of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I would think... be awfully responsible if we was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Be God or something. <laughs> well, that's it, and that's the thing, and that's ultimately what we're learning right now, isn't it? You know, is that. Uh, actually really maybe <laughs> i think so only god knows <laughs> <laughs> and we just have to trust that yeah trust the process exactly so i just want to say thank you so 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 much for coming along and ha and doing this podcast and having this conversation i am going to put a link uh for you know anyone who's listened to this for your services online and for your services in thailand as well but you're able to obviously offer the online services all over the world yeah. and um and yeah and i look forward to the time that i can i can actually come out to you but for now i'm very very happy that i've been able to have this conversation with you and also put this out to people for for people to listen to on what the road to recovery really means <laughs> yeah amazing to be part of it brilliant love it thank you chris thank you see you soon see you soon bye bye, bye, bye. thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed that to continue to keep up to date with what the conscious buddy community are up to uh, you can connect through the online platform which is a safe container you request to join there are a few suggestions, which is just to follow some simple rules of love and kindness, equality, supporting others, community and unity. This is just so we can keep the container safe for you to share with your other conscious bodies. You can also find out about up and coming retreats, events and workshops at ConsciousBuddyCommunity.com. If you like the content you are receiving and to continue to support our mission, which is ultimately to provide resources into our communities and to help educate those that need it, you can make a monthly or one-off donation through our donate button on ConsciousBuddyCommunity.com. We appreciate your support.